welcome to Generation Tech, where the two of us talk tech from the perspective of two different generations, filling in with a little bit of our uh, tech history here, here and there, now and then, such and such. I'm Todd Brinker. I am joined, as always, by my dad, Jack Brinker. How are you doing today? Very good, Todd. Good to be here. Yeah, so sort of prior to the show's kicking off, we were talking about the fact that this is the time of season where there's not a lot of tech news because most of the announcements were made. Now they're just trying to sell stuff for Christmas, right? So the news is all revolving around where can you get a deal on, insert whatever it is you're searching for, right? Yeah, yeah. I just happened upon another uh, on an interesting-sounding headline, and I went mm-hmm. there, and I haven't tried it, but it sure sounds interesting. And that's what they call, it's a hack, okay? Somebody has been playing games, and uh, it has to do with controlling your Apple Watch with hand gestures. Yeah, I've seen that out there before, and it's, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, they call it a hack, but it's, it's, Essentially, going in and using uh, some of the accessibility features that are built into the thing that just aren't turned on by on for for uh, you know in the basic settings on your watch. Yeah, um, I can see they've got all the settings in the uh, in the setup thing there, accessibility yeah. and stuff. So uh, it's just a matter of dialing them in and deciding what you want to control with the yeah. particular uh, gesture. But I haven't tried any of those gestures, so I thought I'm. I'll probably do that if there's something that that I can uh, get to quickly. You know, that's what mm-hmm. that's the benefit of some more controls is you can make things more useful sometimes uh, if it's something you go to often. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some of this stuff is not hard to test. You know, you can you can. Yeah. You know, you can do some of this but, stuff if it. Well, ba- yeah. Basically, what they're talking about is the hand gestures that are named here are as pinch mm-hmm. clinch and double pinch so yeah. you know uh that somehow the watch can detect that uh, while you're doing that and you can assign those some function yeah well and like one of the things they're talking about is like uh that's what will activate the screen and it's like well so what i haven't always on yeah. screen <laughs> You know, anybody who's got an Apple Watch 5 or later has an always-on screen, so it's like, yeah, I don't have to activate my screen. There's, you know. By the way, by the way, that's a wonderful feature for anybody who has watches that yeah. doesn't have, uh, you know, that would be the last two models, right? Five Three models. Six. Five, Three? six, and seven. Five, six, and seven. Oh, that's right. I got a seven. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, and, and I, the other thing about not only being on is that this new uh, face that's exclusive to the seven is a wonderful face. Mm-hmm. I I love it because it's uh, it's got everything I want and it looks great. It's, yeah, it just looks like a watch and it's elegant. Yeah, yeah. A lot of their faces don't necessarily look r- terribly watch-like at times, but I um I tend to like a face with a lot of complications on it. So I've got a lot of extra information on my watch. So I use the one that that's um looks like an analog watch but it's got four complications inside the watch and four in the corners so um so i've got uh you know my my exercise rings and a thing to start exercise and a thing i can pop up to control my home through home kit my battery level the day and the date a stopwatch and a timer and the temperature all on my watch with at a glance okay yeah yeah that's that's appealing to a lot of people that's why they 
What, mm. What's that brand that sells the? Uh, I mean, the real watch with a with all the gadgets on it. Oh, there's know, a the, bunch of them the, out there. The, you know, but the the uh, you know Rolex is the one that people think that's, of. That's that's the one. Yeah, that's know, what I'm trying. Comes to, think to of. name comes to mind first. You know, the thing. You know, and and I've got some very nice mechanical watches that I like and appreciate for for what they are. But every time I put one on, I miss all the extra information that I get with my Apple Watch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the thing about those uh, Rolexes and stuff is that you also have to like some big thing on your wrist because some of those watches can l- at least look pretty bulky to me. Yeah, yeah. Although that said, if you you know if you're buying the aluminum Apple Watch, then you probably don't. It feels relatively light. If you buy the stainless steel one, I I tried one on and that felt very heavy and clunky to me. Very much like one of my my mechanical watches. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think they're worth the extra money um, yeah just for that chrome look yeah anyway so i have a dark blue uh mm-hmm. aluminum one now that mm-hmm. i really like yeah uh, that's the color i think if i were to get the newer one i have a series five and i'm very happy with that and the uh, you know the series six added the um uh blood oxygen measurement capability and the series seven is the same as the series six except they changed the screen you know, yeah. and so I mean, I've looked at that and said, "Well, is there enough for me to move up?" No, was it wasn't yeah. wasn't for me. However, I did move immediately to the Series Five because it was the first one that had that always on screen, and I agree with you. To me, that is just a, a game changer with the watch. <coughs> yep, the ability yep. to not move your hand at all, just glance down and see what time it is, like a real watch, was yeah. was was. <laughs> uh, yeah, for me that was like, oh, okay. One of the last things that irritated me about the the Apple Watch because I can't tell you how many times I would, you know, look. Even if I brought my wrist up, it wouldn't come on, and I'd have to like flip my wrist and snap my wrist and shake my wrist sometimes, and then tap finally tap the screen to get the stupid thing to come on. It irritated yeah. me. Yeah, that that was the problem with it is it didn't work like it was really supposed to uh, before. Yeah. yeah. It looked easy in the commercials, but uh, yeah, it just it, didn't work. It was slowly training me to to raise my wrist at a certain direction and angle, and you know, and and it's like no, I it, it wasn't it wasn't, and I understand they didn't want it inadvertently coming on all the time during you know th- throughout the day. They wanted it to be a specific lift and look motion that should have been something natural, but apparently I do my lift and look too smoothly. There's not enough snap in my wrist or something. I don't know. You're so right. I, it, it took a little. Uh labor you know uh, yeah education yeah you were being educated by this device on how to raise your wrist and so it was it was yeah. uh once they went to a, an always on screen i was sold i said that's what i want and uh yeah never going back baby never going back um uh, yep. and yet if you buy their uh their apple watch se which is their sort of discounted model it does not have an always on screen and if you buy then their cheapest watch, the uh, Apple Watch 3 is still being sold. It obviously does not have it either. Um, yeah. or, I shouldn't say obviously, but since we had already previously said 5, 6, and 7 have it, um, 3 does not. Yeah. I'm surprised they're still selling the 3. I would have thought by now that they would have put out, you know, the SE would be the inexpensive one like the phone. And that, well, you I, know. The, re- the reason they keep things like that is they're selling, and if they yeah if that drops off, it's, it's yeah goes, you know? yeah. Well, and that one's their one ninety nine watch. You know, that's the yeah. one that like you know you buy your kids or you buy you know that it's kind of starter kids. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. The irony is, is that you know we've now through Apple Watch, they've now acclimated people to spending two hundred to four hundred dollars on a watch, and a lot of those people were people who bought the you know ten dollar or twenty five dollar Timex or Casios at Walmart right. before, you know. Well, yeah. Well, my view of it is, is you know, if you take an like my last watch, I what was it three or four years at least between yeah. watches. And so then I amortized that over time, and I said, well, that's no big yeah. deal, you know? <laughs> yeah, but my, my $25 Timex worked for many years as well. So, you know, right. and, and I didn't have to charge it up every night. That said, not nearly as much information was available on that screen as is this current screen. And this you know, and it certainly wasn't, you know, the, the, the watch face on a mechanical watch is not uh, changeable, resettable, you can't adjust the information that you see on it at any given time. There's lots of ways for you to, you know, change the, the digital screen. Excuse me. Change that anyway, digital screen, yeah. Last night, it was kind of neat. I was sitting there thinking about going to bed, and it mm-hmm. popped up a thing and says, before you think about going to sleep, you might want to put your put your watch on a charger. <laughs> no, it warns so, you, yeah. Yeah, so and since it charges so fast, I was sitting right there, still out in the living room i have i keep my charger out there i just plugged it in and before i was you know had yeah. enough time that i it was all fully charged before i went to bed yeah which is the way i like to do it i have put it on my charger at night you know when i mm-hmm. when i had my charger in the bedroom but then i basically don't put it on until morning you know and right. so i said well yeah that way you leave it on and it uh and you get some sleep tracking with it right yeah yeah so I charge mine overnight. I actually have a um, I, I I'm interested in in sort of the quantified self, and so I have a um, a uh, uh, thing a device sold by Beautyrest that actually fits underneath your mattress and measures your uh, your sleep. You know when you're in REM sleep versus deep sleep and light sleep, and uh, and it actually th- through the mattress measures your heart rate, your breathing. Um, and it's pretty accurate. It's uh, so it's really interesting. So I get sleep tracking automatically when I lay down in bed. Ah, uh, yeah. So. so, so I don't need the watch for for that. Although I know that they have been trying to optimize the battery cycle so that you could do that more easily. I think it was uh, iOS 14 added in sleep tracking. So you know there had been apps you could download that did it anyway, but but uh, Apple put it into the operating system I think in iOS 14. And, uh, you know, I've done it a couple times just to kind of see, but, um, for me, you know, I've got the other device that's doing that. So I just, it's easy for me to put my battery on. You know, something I've noticed is, um, you know, and I don't know which band you have on your watch, but the ones that are the, the rubbery ones, whether they're the kind that you, you know, comes in two pieces and clips together. Yeah. Whether it's. Well, the sport band is the one that's two pieces and clips together. Then they've got another one that's one piece that's literally like a rubber band, and you can stretch it to put your hand inside of it. And the, and there's they're, um, or you can get the ones that are sort of, they look like they're kind of um, woven material, and those also have two different kinds. One comes in one piece, and one comes in, in uh, in a loop that attaches with Velcro. Yeah, that's the one I've got. The Velcro. The right. only problem with, in fact, that's what kind of led me to getting my upgrade done was because i was going to need a new band anyway because the Velcro oh so was, why spend 50 yeah. bucks for a band when you can spend or, or 20 bucks if you go to amazon <laughs> let's go right. buy a several hundred dollar watch right <laughs> yeah 
No, the, well, that was one of the reasons, you know. Just, right. Well, the reason I was asking which band you had or where I was going with that is I've noticed, especially if I leave it on while I'm sleeping, so it's on virtually all day long except when I uh, go to, you know, take it off to charge it briefly and then put it back on, and I've, you know, only done it a couple times, I tend to get, like, um, sp- spots underneath the, the band where it's my, my skin gets irritated and swells and gets kind of... You know, and it's and it's because it's it doesn't let it doesn't breathe. There's no sweat or anything with those rubber bands, and oh. so and, you know, yeah. and I and I've got a couple of. I even got one of the Nike rubber bands that's got holes in it. So and that and that didn't help. It still had the same problem. So yeah. I can't I can't wear those twenty four seven. Neither could I. I, and, I, I. When I first got my first Apple Watch, I had that for maybe a couple mm-hmm. months, and I got rid of it and went to this other one, and I've stayed with this. Loop yeah. band ever since. Yeah, the sport loop I like. Um, the stretchy loop is nice, and it's actually I think it more comfortable. But it uh, you, two two things. One, you have to make sure you buy it in the right size for you because they come in multiple sizes because obviously different widths of diameters of wrists, and yeah. since it's a connected loop. Um, and then secondly, the stretchiness um, I've noticed over the course of uh, maybe two months or so starts to loosen up, and so at some point you've got your your watch now sliding around on your wrist too much because the loop has loosened. You know, the elastic has, has let go a little bit. And yeah. so now I will say that um, I have one of those stretchy loops that I bought from Apple, but I have like a package of them that I bought on Amazon. And the Amazon ones initially looked fine, but they, they loosened up and became not usable much quicker than the Apple ones. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get what you pay for. Yeah. Any, anyway, this article I pointed you to, first of all, regarding the uh, uh, gestures and the things you can do, uh, has a surprising number of uh, things you can do that yeah. uh, might, well, you can, might you, appeal. Yeah, you can assign a lot of different commands to it. Yeah, so I, mm-hmm. I'll have to think about those. But it, 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 I was surprised as how many different things you could do. Mm-hmm. So anyway... Well, remember, it's really in there. It's an assistive touch thing for people who have um, uh, issues with or, or, or physical limitations in terms of being able to touch and scroll on the screen. And so yeah. this is designed for them to be able to um, manipulate, maneuver through their watch by using hand gestures that are you know, not, as, not as much fine control required. And, well, and so, well, yeah. Well, you know, but, but it goes further than that. It's to bring up a calculator, you know? Yeah, or 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 remote camera remote. Now I'm not sure I want to snap the camera. <laughs> Actually, you'd be surprised how many people use that as a way to take you know pictures. If you, especially if you put your camera up on a on a selfie stick or on a um, uh, tripod. Yeah, yeah, but but the other, one of the things that most likely will be on mine is just bringing up my appointments because I'm always wanting to remember what's on my schedule. You know. Yeah. I mean, well, I, I typically have my iPad in my hand, so that might not be important because it's right there on the screen, but, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Well, if you use the right watch face, you can have a complication that tells you your next calendar appointment that's up. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, no, I like, I'm, I, I don't want to do something like that. <laughs> I, I like the looks of my watch. I'm not changing it. The only thing I added to this thing is is the outside temperature. I want to know whether I need to put a jacket on or not, you know. Yeah. Time. You know, so anyway, uh, and it does it does pop up things like you know what's next uh, on the agenda or what's 
you know, yeah, some kind of news article or something. But I get too much of that and pretty much ignore those things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know, it's you everybody has to find a uh, what works for them. You know, right. the watch face that works for them and what they're comfortable with. I just sent you a, a link of the watch face that I have. Um, it's a one I picked up off the web, though, so it's not. I don't have those same complications, but it's the infographic face, and a lot oh, of yeah. people feel it's too busy. There's too much going on, but I love the fact that it just gives me just a ton of information. That, that's what I had on my previous watch. Yeah, yeah. I found it useful. I, 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 yeah. I liked it a lot. Yeah, but. I, you know, like there's times of the year, like when I wanted to have uh, sunrise and sunset on there, you know, um, you know, that's that's handy for me. Um, uh, you know, I like like you like you. I like the temperature so I can see what the temperature is outside, you know, and you can tap it to get, you know, the temperature for the week if you want to see the, the forecasts. Um, yep. And I've been working really hard to close my rings. Now, I've had an Apple Watch since the very first, you know, uh, Apple Watch Zero, the the initial one, um, and uh, I have never really paid that close of attention to the to the exercise rings and what's going on there. But I am proud to say that I am on uh, I think day twenty eight now of closing all three rings. I've been trying to make sure that I do that and stay active, and uh, so I'm happy happy to do yeah. that yeah i have finished yeah 28 days i have finished oh no i'm sorry yeah 28 days no 29 days <coughs> yesterday was day 29 attaboys boo yeah get patted yeah. on the wrist or something for it you know yeah 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 you get little little congratulations you closed all three rings things at the end of each day or whenever you you know close the third ring it splashes and usually the last one to close is the stand <laughs> one because you know you have to do i mean it takes you 12 hours to stand once an hour for 12 times you know so yeah well you know uh, I, mine was kind of entertaining but i got finally got tired of it and got rid of it that's one of the things i didn't mind getting off of there but yeah. with my handicap and stuff it it didn't know about this and so it kept trying to urge me on to do things yeah and and and, and sometimes it just got funny it was so ridiculous you know yeah yeah <laughs> it, no i've had it pop up and you know it you know as i'm getting ready for bed saying you can still do it and i was like I, yeah. I, you know yeah i can go out and run for 20 minutes and close that exercise ring but i ain't gonna do it at yeah, 10 30 at night I've heard, i think i've seen every encouraging message they have it, yeah they couldn't couldn't have come up with any more you know yeah <laughs> yeah but anyway so it, it, yeah it turned i mean out it, to be entertaining for me anyway for, yeah, for a it, while and, <laughs> and it yeah and it, but the thing is too if you're not doing it then it's just an annoyance right and so uh right. you you know you've got to strike that balance yeah. And say, you know, is it uh, is it something you, you know, it, it goes beyond, you know, I find things like that, you know, you, that, that they're trying to be encouraging and it, it's a very fine line between encouraging and just really annoying me. And, yeah. and when, it, when they cross over to the annoying, it doesn't take long for me to say, okay, I'm done with that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have very low tolerance for things that get to be annoying. Um, I signed yeah, up. What- signed up for a service and 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 they they kept sending me a whole bunch of texts and then they sent me some emails and I was chatting with somebody from the company and said, you know, by the way, 
if this stuff doesn't cut out, I'm about ready to just cancel it all. Because <laughs> that will not continue to deal with <laughs> with these annoyances. And I was assured that they will, you know, that when when you first, you know, are, are dealing with them, they 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 get real gung ho. But then they 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 back off. And I went, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna uh, take your word on that. But but uh, just just understand, if I disappear, if I ghost you at some point, you'll know why. Because I I well, and the worst thing is, is you know, if if you they send you a whole bunch of of emails or texts you tend to start just ignoring them and then they will sprinkle in there something that you information that you actually wanted you can't tell the difference between the marketing garbage and the hey you need this piece of information and that's what bothers me you know i um i have uh coached for a uh, high school uh swimming for for a number of years and you know they they want to do their best to stay in touch and so there's there are just a ton of just sort of regular emails about statuses, you know. Oh, the regular Friday email, the irregular. Well, that regular thing now has turned into probably seven or eight a day emails, that yeah. many of which don't really directly involve me in any way, shape, or form. And so it's there. I sometimes, especially when it's off season and I'm not actively coaching, where. I you know I may not look at the emails from them for uh, you know a few days because most of it's stuff that doesn't involve me or you know virtually all of it is in the off season you know and every once in a while in the middle of that somebody will you know send me an actual email then uh, then I'll get somebody going like you know eventually calling me going hey are you okay you're not responding I'm like oh yeah sorry you you got you know mixed in amongst uh, amongst all of the the emails the garbage emails that mean nothing to me so <laughs> yeah, you know I've I've almost virtually given up on emails i get i'm so annoyed and there's so much trash and i've tried to get rid of it and and, and uh you know you respond and tell it to stop and it doesn't stop and you know mm-hmm. that I, I i just if it's anything that, that matters to me it comes on my text message thing mm-hmm. because that's the same as my phone number and that i i keep one thing clean i figure i gotta have one thing that People can get a hold of me, and yeah. and it gets gets there faster. You can send larger stuff uh, attachments because it, with Apple messages and stuff, it comes yeah. uh, on there. So anyway, I, I am I'm almost not an email user. Yeah, I mean I have an email address, and everybody wants it for whatever. Right. They're not they're not getting a hold of me that way. No, I the problem you, you know you're yeah. retired and not dealing with anybody you know in, in any if you're involved with any business of any kind and in, in my case a, a school you're you, you know you're required to, to communicate with people that way it's just it's, it's yeah. there's no way around it you know well, but I well, I don't need the email from the that sent to everybody in the faculty and staff saying hey you know the printer on the first floor is out of paper use the printer on the second floor. Yeah. Or the copy uh, machine is out of tone. You know, I don't care. I'm not even there, you know, but I'm on that list because they send it to everybody. Now, to their credit, I noticed just recently that they did say they no longer allow you to send to everybody. There's a limited number of people who can send to everybody on the faculty. So yeah. if you want to send something to everybody on the faculty, then you have to go to one of those people, which, you know, it it, it cuts down on the amount of that kind of chit chat. Because yeah. too often people are just sending that, you know, it's easy to say send all without really thinking, is this something that everybody really needs to hear and see, yep. you know? 
But anyway, I, I really feel bad about the email thing because I know that I have missed some stuff that I did really didn't want to miss. Yeah. But basically the way I use email today is for the the business the, the things that where I interact with people locally on you know, something coming up before I have an event with them, I'll search for their name on email, you know? Yeah. And that that's how I use email. It's too big to, to go through. Yeah. I just search for the name. And uh, and that works for me, but it's just because there's so much crap there. I'm not yeah. going to dig through a haystack for, a, you know. Right. Well, I've got to say, I have found something that really works well for me with email. Um, they're not a sponsor or anything, but but I use Hey email, H-E-Y dot com. Um, and it's an annual subscription, and so you have to pay for it. But they have set up a very and, – and then what I did is I took – I had several other emails, and so I just forwarded them to that email. So I, I check all my email in the one spot. And they have set up a really good sort of – they force you to use filtering, uh, essentially. And, and they've got solid filtering set up so that I tag a whole bunch of stuff. You know, everything basically drops into this – if I've never seen from them, they drop into this screenings, screeners page, and all you do is give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down there. You say, yes, I want it, or no, I don't. And if you mm-hmm. want it, you have the option of putting it in your inbox or two other places. One of them is essentially for things like receipts. So if, if you like, you know, making payments for, like, say, your electric bill or something like that, and you get that little email saying, we've got your payment – uh, you can send that automatically to the receipt box. And and then the other one is information that you want, like newsletters, that you, but you don't want to read it right now. And so yeah. you can f- filter that. So those three filters work really well. You know, the inbox, the, the, the newsletters, and this is, you know, receipts that I want to be able to go back and find. And, of course, you can yeah. search anytime. Yeah. I, I have thought about ways to solve my problem mm-hmm. what i really need is a thing that rejects things because there's a lot of these that are political stuff and i could put certain words in there that i don't think would appear in any of my friends email that i could throw out if it's got any of those kind of words in it you know yeah like democrat or republican or whatever you know i don't i don't want them <laughs> yeah and, and the and the other ones are uh, money solicitation, and usually there's some words affiliated with that that I think I could use with a filter. I'd like a filter though that just throws out the garbage, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can, I I can handle all the stuff that I want just coming in, you know. It's yeah. not a lot, but but if I could just get rid of the majority of the garbage, that would be wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anyway. no, that's I think that's honestly the, that's the whole the thing that everybody uh, feels about it is, you know, if we could just filter through this yeah. stuff, you know, and and, you know, the, the spam filters do a lot of it. They help, um, you know, the the nice thing about this hay thing is, is that that if I start marking things as spam that, and other people mar- market as spam, then they they kind of filter that through to everybody. So it, it, it the spam filter yeah. keeps getting better and better. You know, of course, the fam, spam people are always trying to get through. Oh, they're all figuring of that. ways how to avoid it too. So yeah, I don't know. It's just a stupid game that ruins it for everybody. Yeah, yes. it's irritating. Yep. Uh, 
Anyway, uh, regarding uh, <coughs> next year and what there's lots of speculation out there as to what's going on, uh, uh, I kind of think that uh, it's interesting to see uh, what various people think are are uh, coming next year, like five new Macs, some, somebody has says, you know, for 2022, including a new entry-level MacBook Pro refresh. Well, that, remember when the first M1 came out, there was a there was an M1 Pro, but it wasn't the Pro in the sense that the 14 and 16. Yeah, ones yeah, were. yeah. You're you're actually you're you kind of confusing in your language there. The M1 Pro is one of the chips that they they introduced. What they did is they had a 13-inch MacBook Pro that had an M1 chip. It did not have the M1 Pro or the M1 Max in it. But you're right. They that's, had an, an M1, and that's the, now currently the only Ma- Apple uh, laptop that still has the touch bar on it is that 13-inch MacBook Pro with an M1. Yeah. 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 But uh, anyway, uh, they they figured that that one, there, there's a big gap between the ones that include the new Pro chips yeah. uh, notebooks and the rest of them, and that they probably will want to move out the product line so that there's something that fills that gap. And yeah. so uh, that's what the speculation is about. See, my uh, guess would be that they're going to continue to have a low-end MacBook Pro that uses the low-end chip. Uh, but what they'll do is they'll make the body and the and the keyboard and everything match the current 13 or 14-inch instead of a 13-inch. So they'll drop the 13, they'll have a 14, and uh, ultimately I think what they would really like to do is drop the MacBook Air and reintroduce the original MacBook, which was a 12-inch, right? So then they would have the 12-inch MacBook Air, or the smallest, just call it the plain MacBook, and then then the MacBook Pro line will be 14 and 16-inch. Well, I, I've concluded that if I were to ever buy another computer, and I'm not sure that I will, but if I were, it would at least have to be the MacBook Air 13-inch size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd prefer the... Uh, larger than that, even, but I don't want to spend much money on it. I would, I really want a low end in terms of performance. But more important than anything else now, now that they've got the M series chip out there that is going to be in everything new, uh, I do want a case that has more plugs on it, like the new uh, Mac uh, or M1 chips that are called pro <laughs> right it's hard to talk about them but yeah but but they with those notebooks they they made them much more functional again without having one uh plug for everything you know and it happened to use uh, I'm, I'm i'm fed up uh, with my original uh or uh, well that 12 inch mac book that i have has one jack on it uh, and, yeah and so you you got all these adapters and that was a bad idea right and well people have been railing and complaining about that since the day it was introduced as being just a faulty design and so so, yeah anyway i'll 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 never go for that again yeah but there's no reason that they couldn't take the smaller form factor and and put at least a plug on both sides of it if not you know a couple plugs they may not have enough room to put like the SD card reader in it and stuff, but if it's the, 
if it's the uh, air, if it's the the entry level model, you know, you might not get all the ports, right? Right. I mean, they don't currently have all the ports. The, the, you want all the ports, then you probably have beyond average uses, and so then you probably should look at a pro. So yeah. I could see them doing that. I could see them coming back with a 12 inch air and saying this is the new the new bottom of the line product, especially because you know it's they they don't have to put such an underpowered Intel chip in there because of space limitations and heat limitations, right? Because now they can put the right. M1 chip in there and, and it, it'll be a, a fast machine. Because that was the other complaint people had with it is that they were, you know, although very nice size and handy, um, they were a little slow. But, yeah. yeah. But imagine that, you know, you, you buying a, a laptop that actually has a smaller screen than your iPad. I can't see you doing that, but, you know. Yeah. Well, see, the other thing that's kind of starting to get to annoy me is that my computer battery needs replacing. I don't know what that'll cost, but I'm going to have to take it right. in because it, it doesn't hold a charge more than a half a day anymore. Yeah. You know, and it says on there that its max charge is 85% of its original uh-huh. capacity, you know. So, uh, yeah, no, I don't know. You might, um, you might want to, uh, well, take- see, see the. The other thing about that is that I basically have never backed that up, okay, except on on the uh, in the cloud, and I don't know if that's a good enough backup or not. Yeah. But I stopped backing up to the disk a long time ago. Uh, just too much hassle. I figured it back up to the to the cloud mm-hmm. that ought to be good enough, and I don't know if it is. Right. Yeah. You know, to, well. You know, unfortunately, backing up, you know, on a on the on the Mac, it's not like the uh, the the phone. The phone, literally, if you do a backup to the cloud, it, it gives you everything to put your phone back the way exactly it was, and right. that doesn't that does not happen with the Mac. And yeah. so and so, yeah, you really need to. Uh, so, well, in so fact, didn't we just talk about you buying a a USB drive that you could then do a backup to? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I haven't got the cable. I just didn't get back to that. But the, uh, if I could get that back up to work, then then I wouldn't worry about it. But I need to back it up before I can go in and get a battery replaced. Can you yeah. consider that? You know. Yeah, definitely need a backup, and and I would say not only a backup, but um, go through the process of restoring from your backup to make sure that your backup works. Yeah, yeah. You know. Delete something and restore from it. Something that you can put back, like an app or something. Just you know, just so you can say yes, that works. You know, yeah. and you can use the uh, time machine backup that's built in to do that. Although I know um, uh, some people like using. Does that uh, work to the cloud? Back to my Mac. No, it goes to a. You have to designate a Hello? time a, a time machine device, and it backs up to that device. Yeah, it, that's it, normally it, the way it works. I yeah. was going to say, can you make the cloud a device? No. No, and that's no. where that's where the you know the the idea of the you know they Apple treats the Mac differently than it does iOS devices, as far as yeah. backups go. So there is not a a you know Apple provided solution. There's other companies out there that that yeah. do you know um, Backblaze does a great job of doing like an online backup um, of your device. Um, yeah, you know, for well, less than I, I ten bucks a month that. or something. Anyway, I, that's something I've got to do. I probably won't get it done before Christmas. There's just too many other things at this time of year. Uh, but anyway, I've, I've been thinking about it. But 
but like you said, ever since you told me what the problem really was with my cable, which hadn't even occurred to me, I, ha I just haven't done yeah. anything with it yet. Yeah. So. Yeah, for those who didn't listen to the last episode, what we were talking about was that there are um, USB-C cables that are just power cables. They don't have all the connections in them for data. And so if you're if and a lot of them that are shipped with the power bricks that you use for charging up devices are those less expensive cables that are just good for 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 power. And unfortunately, they're usually not marked very clearly, so there's not really any way for you to tell the difference. And so um, you need to specifically buy or make sure that you have a USB-C data cable um, for. And, and, and how is that data discriminated from the one that goes with uh, certain hard drives? Uh, well, uh, yeah, because th further, the USB-C connector is not only used for USB 3.1 or 3, but it's also used for uh, Thunderbolt. And so there are also USB-C cables that are for Thunderbolt. And you, again, physically, it's there's virtually no way to tell the difference unless they're identified and marked. Very often on the little uh, thick part of the plastic that you hold when you plug the, the, the metal piece into the device, there will be, uh, if it's USB, there will be that little, like, trident kind of uh, connector emblem on it. And mm -hmm. if it's and if it's uh, a thunderbolt, then they'll they'll put like a little um, like lightning bolt on there to show you that it's a, a thunderbolt uh, cable. Yeah. But but you know neither of those are obviously easy to see. And in some cases, I think like Apple, what's on there is an Apple, not not either of those two things. So who knows? Um, usually, the USB-C cable is a little bit thicker. So if you have one of each, you might be able to identify one from the other. But if you're just picking one up somewhere and looking at it, you you don't know. Yeah. You know, read the packaging is all I've got to say. Read the packaging. You know, it's really confusing because, you know, they've got USB A, B, and C connectors, right? And those are physical connectors that attach to devices. Like the on the back of your printer is usually a USB uh, B connector. The flat uh, you know, centimeter-wide USB-A connector is the one that's been ubiquitous for many years. And now the new USB-C connector, which you can put in uh, right side up or upside down, it doesn't matter. There is no up and down, which is a huge advantage and really nice. And it's also more compact. So you're talking about physical connections when you say USB-A, USB-C, and USB-B. Uh, and there's also micro-USB and a bunch of other garbage. Um, and mini-USB. But you know, those three A, B, C are probably the most common ones. The other confusion is that they then can carry USB 1, 2, 3, 3.1, and that is the, the, um, the software. <laughs> software, the connectivity uh, uh, level uh, that they use, and each of those provide different capabilities in terms of the amount of throughput that they have, Oh, by the way, the difference between USB-C and USB-A also, USB-B and USB-A can only carry up to, I think, uh, 0.7 amps or, no, 2 amps, something like that. And and so they, they, the USB-C can carry significantly more current across it. So it's a much better charging cable, which is part of the reason that your new uh, watch charges faster is because it's going across USB-C and can carry more current to the device. Uh, yep. So it's not all just changes in the watch. Part of it, you know, the benefit's just a better charger. Um, you know, 
It's just it's very confusing. And then when you throw into the fact that, that now on a USB C connector, you can carry not only US not only power, not only USB, uh, usually three point one or three point two is the connectivity standard and better current, but you can also put Thunderbolt across there, which is a completely different standard on the same connector on the same cable, but it's not the same cable. They look the same, but they're wired differently. You know? Yeah. And same thing on your machine. Like, you've got the original MacBook, the the 12-inch MacBook. The port on the side of that 12-inch MacBook is a USB port. It is not a Thunderbolt port. So if you get a Thunderbolt Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt cable, it won't work on that device. You know? But but if you buy one of the new Apple devices, they support USB-C, no, USB 4 on their USB-C ports, which means that it supports both USB and Thunderbolt 3. Really? Yes. And you can get cables for Thunderbolt and, uh, so that's the most expensive cable, right? The, yeah, the, the USB-C Thunderbolt cables are about 40 bucks a pop. Yeah, and and that's more than Thunderbolt. It also works USB three data. Right. Well, the cable won't. The port oh, will. Oh, the cable. Oh. The, cab- the cable you bought. You still buying either USB or Thunderbolt cable, depending on what kind of connection you want. Oh. And oh, and then when you buy your peripheral that you're plugging into it, you have to know whether it's a USB or a Thunderbolt peripheral. Yeah. So that it works. Yeah. You know, because they'll use Thunderbolt because it's even more throughput and faster than the fastest USB. They'll use Thunderbolt across the USB cable or port in order to Thunderbolt on a Thunderbolt cable across a USB-C port. Man, you got to be real careful about what you're saying here in order to drive screens, external screens. That's what yeah. they use for driving all those bits on those high res. You know, you can put it. At, you can theoretically plug one of the new uh, laptops using a Thunderbolt cable into the six thousand dollar apple pro display and it's 6k monitor i i didn't think about the displays i was assuming that we were talking about some really fast uh solid state drives sitting out there using a thunderbolt interface and some there are some of those too and they are significantly faster than the ones that'll go across usb and they're significantly more expensive i think that the licensing to use the thunderbolt um methodology is is more expensive as well um, that is owned by, well, I take that back. It previously was owned by Intel, but now that it's uh, integrated into the USB 4, was it USB 4? Yeah, USB 4 connectivity standard, you get Thunderbolt 3 connectivity in USB 4. So now it's it, you should see the Thunderbolt stuff dropping in price somewhat. Yeah. Man, oh boy! It's just it's 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 mind-numbing trying to think about it and say it and keep it straight in your head as you're saying it and use the right language because, you know, it, they all sound so similar, and, you know, it's like yep. in the in the USB world, letters talk about physical connectors and numbers talk about the the um, the right. software, the language that's going across those connectors, right? The, yeah. the methodology. Uh, uh, yeah. And so it's like, hey, <laughs> you know, it's just too much, <laughs> too much. Yeah. By the way, for our, our if, if for our Jewish listeners, happy last day of Hanukkah today. Uh, yeah. The uh, 
Hanukkah's wrapped up. I uh, one of my uh, favorite musicians, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, has been doing a uh, with a friend of his. Um, they've been doing a uh, the, the Hanukkah sessions, and they've been releasing a, a song a day uh, for the last. Well, today will be the eighth day and the last day. Uh, of doing that and uh, some of them have been actually very good they're covering other people's songs what they're doing is they're covering songs of famous Jewish mu- musicians uh, and okay. uh, which is interesting because you know as, as they point out in their sort of like starter uh, video explaining what they're doing he the guy he's working with goes you know yeah I'm I can't remember his name I'm blanking on it, but yeah I'm Jewish and Dave Grohl goes yeah and I'm not you know, but we're celebrating great <laughs> great news, Jewish musicians you know it's just something fun to do and, well, you know, as you're in the holiday season, if they're not touring right now, you know, it's like um, his yeah. daughter, by the way, Violet Grohl, uh, one day came on and sang a song. And boy, has she got a beautiful voice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, she it was uh, really entertaining to listen to. Um, and uh, see if I can find the link and I'll share it with you so you can do it and I can tell other people about it, too. Uh, if you go onto YouTube and you go uh, hashtag Hanukkah sessions, you can find them, and they're all there. And this is not the first year they've done them, so you need to make sure that you're getting the 2021 versions because there are um, uh, subsequent versions floating about. So there. I sent you the link uh, for the, uh, um, I think it was Night 5 with uh, Violet singing. I, I got it. I got it. That's yeah. Good. Yeah. You'll enjoy that. It's uh, kind of a torch song, you know, and it's funny yeah. because he's he's a he's you know, he was known as the drummer of Nirvana and then the, the lead of on on the Foo Fighters. So it's sort of, you know, grunge rock type of pop rock type of stuff and sometimes veering towards heavy metal. And so he does a lot of that. But he's also just a musician. And so he he loves all music. And uh, uh, it's, it's interesting to see them doing, you know. Uh, kind of jazzy torch type music and other stuff. Yeah, you know, you know. So. Mu- I think most musicians are that way. It's right. You know, it's like this is maybe what I do as my main gig. But if I have a chance to play music of any style, I'll do it because I love playing music. You know. Right. Yeah. Any excuse to play. Exactly. It's like okay, we're 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 playing. Uh, you know, something that's outside my uh, wheelhouse, but you know. Hum a few bars and let's do this. <laughs> yeah, by, by, by the way, lately I've really got stuck on a guy named Jason Coleman. Do you know Jason? I do not know Jason Coleman. Well, he has a great. He his granddad. Oh, was yeah. I know who it is. Piano player. Yep. Uh, Floyd Kramer. Uh, Floyd Kramer. Yeah. Yes. No, and, I, I, and, you had shared Jason's uh, some links with Jason's work. Um, quite a while ago, and so yeah, I have I have listened to Jason Coleman. Yeah. Anyway, he's had online concerts on a regular, recurring basis now. Mm-hmm. I forgot what session he's up in the '60s or '70s now, and uh, they're all good, and I just love them. And I think he's in fact better than his granddad. He's uh, he's just really, and he makes an entertaining show out of it too. Mm-hmm. So he's a he's kind of a personality. His kid, his young boy, <laughs> is part of the show. Right. And, like like a little lot of kids, he he has those things indifference as to what's going on, but but then boy, when it comes time to hit the keys on the piano, he's right there, right in time, knows the rhythm and and got got his dad's talent, you know. Yeah. He's coming. And and the other day, what was really interesting is that I didn't realize that Jason had a brother. 
and and his brother uh, is a, a doctor, a PhD type doctor. Uh, I forgot what it was, but it turns out that his brother plays piano as well. So they played a bunch of duets together. But the interesting thing is that his brother is also a composer. Then Jason doesn't. Jason just gets his music from his brother or his dad or grandpa or whoever, yeah. you know? Yeah. So anyway, it was a great show. It was, yeah. I think, 660th or something like that in the numbered series. But uh-huh. anyway, uh, and uh, I don't know. It's just uh, being a piano player myself. Yeah, yeah. You recognize when he does something, you're like, "Oh, that's a that was a hard that that was a difficult thing to do, right?" Whereas other people go, "Oh, that was beautiful," but when you you know how to do it and you go like, "Oh, that is not easily done," you have a yeah. different appreciation for it when when you know yeah. the instrument. Yeah, and and uh, he's he's got that set up so that it comes across even this little spinet piano in his brother's home. He went to visit his brother to do this show. Uh, had great sound, so they've wired that piano so that they got Mike sitting somewhere down inside that thing, I'm sure, because it sounded as good as uh, Jason's Baby Grand at home does. Yeah. And that's really impossible to do. I mean, you know, yeah. the big difference between a grand piano and a spinet, you know, <laughs> I, you know mm-hmm. or, or maybe this was a custom-built piano. I just didn't know it, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, uh, sometimes they, they look like they're a uh, a real piano and they're actually electronic piano and they've got everything, um, you know, they've got sampled sounds that are literally from some of the best pianos in the world. <laughs> and so. Well, 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 that's that's not the case with this because he talked uh-huh. about the piano. It's the piano oh. he grew grew up with as oh, a boy. So it's gotcha. an old one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Of course, uh, he is he is related to Floyd Kramer. So, like you said, it very well could have been a custom built special. Yeah, that's possible. That's possible you know, too. Yeah. You know, I I would gather that Floyd Kramer's relatives probably had access to um, some quality so, pianos. <laughs> absolutely, those, those pros got the best. You know. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's funny you say you've been listening to that. I've been I've been going old school and 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 New Orleans lately. I've been listening to Sly and the Family Stone, which was a soul funk group uh one of the first um mixed race bands to make it big in the country back in the 60s and 70s and i they they uh have i mean sly stone plays such an incredible I mean, he's a multi-instrumentalist but the bass line in their stuff is just so fun to listen to larry graham was the bassist primarily and it was this this just really cool bass riffs that i just i i sit there and listen to the bass riff the whole time and it's like they could be singing anything it doesn't really matter i just i'm just really enjoying the the sounds coming out of that and then the other one i've been listening to and i think i shared him with you a while ago is john cleary he's an englishman who now has been living for the last couple decades down in new orleans and he kind of does new orleans bluesy jazz r&b type stuff and uh and i've been enjoying him a lot yeah yeah so yeah music is uh just all kinds of music I, I love. Uh, yeah. I love Adele, and she's come out with some stuff uh, lately. This mo- you know? Yeah, she just released her, her album, 30. She's neat. She's she's done, I think, four albums now, and, and each one yeah. is just a number, and it's however old she was when the album came out. So there's like yeah. eight, 18, 21. <laughs> now she's you know. 30, and she released 30, and it, you know you can tell the songs are sort of about you know somebody who's a little more mature than, than she was when yeah. she was 18. But what a voice. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. I hadn't picked up on young music in a long time, but then when she came along, uh, I just immediately fell in love. Yeah. With 
songs and so well i mean her songs are very simple you know it's usually a yeah. voice with minimal accompaniment you know it's not uh programmed drums it's an actual person playing a drum usually you know and, yeah. and an acoustic instrument like the, her recent hit i mean there's basically there is a programmed drum in there but all it is, is basically a metronome for them there's a piano player and her and yeah. oh my god <laughs> it's just yeah. phenomenal yeah there, you know you know when when I heard her voice, it reminded me of the time I saw Larry Gatlin live at the mm -hmm. uh, in, in San Bernardino at the Orange Show, mm -hmm. and the Gatlin brothers were there. But to me, the entire hi highlight of the entire evening was they basically turned the lights down, had a spotlight on Larry standing at the on the stage, and there was no accompaniment, uh -huh. just his voice, a cappella. That was amazing. Nobody, I mean, even professionals, just don't do that. Right. Because, man, I mean. Oh, yeah. Every little flaw comes right out when it's just you. You can't hide behind anything. And and, and, and there were no flaws. That was yeah. the most amazing thing. So, anyway, uh, yeah. I still see Larry every once in a while. He's still out there. He's getting old. But he's mm -hmm. got that wonderful voice. And, uh, yeah. and it's great that his brothers come and back him up because it, they certainly add, you know, with their harmonies. Yeah, yeah, to the, yeah. He's seventy-three now. Larry Gatlin is seventy-three. I was wondering if he's still touring around because I hadn't heard much from him. He's not, uh, you know, not if he's recording. It's not uh, in the you know, the the country uh, uh, charts anymore. But the country charts have shifted so much these days in terms of what is in well, in style that it doesn't sound like a lot of traditional country. You well, know. The, place, the place to find Larry is is in uh, uh, gospel music. Yeah, and and I enjoy a lot of gospel music. I've I've kind of followed a number of different groups there over the years. So right. Anyway, uh, yeah, he he's he's right up there in the top in my view. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many people who have great voices, you know. I mean, in and in lots of different genres, you know. I always. Uh, uh, liked uh, you know unfortunately she's no longer with us but for me i could listen to her sing all the time was karen carpenter i thought oh, she just my, had one yeah. of the most pure beautiful voices and she could sing the alphabet and i would listen you know yeah you know i was just uh when you brought that up the first thing came to my mind i wonder if she's got that new uh uh technique uh for if they've gone back and redone her her oh, songs in, in dolby atmos um, right yeah, because if if they have the recordings available to do that, right. they're reprocessing a lot of those old songs. Yeah, yeah. If it wasn't uh, burnt up in that big fire on the Universal Studios lot, a lot of musicians yeah. lost their masters that way. Yeah. Although some had control of their masters. You know, her brother's the one that did all of the uh, not all of, but he was involved oh, with the really? producing and engineering of all their stuff and all that multi-layered right. yeah. harmonies. Because she was one of the first ones to like you know sing harmony with herself like six times or eight times you know i mean he would really layer that yeah. stuff on and that would be very cool if they could get that into the dolby atmos you know yeah that sense of sort of a uh you know being immersed in the sound i would be surprised if if because uh, you know he's still around i'd be surprised if he wasn't uh is it richard carpenter wasn't trying to do that you know because that would uh maybe bring some attention back to their music again yeah so. uh i i when it, when it comes to processing sound too, I always think of Les Paul. You know, he's his recordings must have had, uh, and, and I don't know if they are still available. But if he were alive, he would be reprocessing them today to make them sound even better. 
So let's see. Oh, they just released a new song, The Carpenters Live from Ed Sullivan Show, October 18th, 1970. You can go get it. Uh, so it's a live. Who, who released it? Well, it's on Apple Music. They have an, a, 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 a just released, well, like March of this year. So it's been a while, but uh, it was uh, their, uh, you know, to a, a, I guess a recording that had not been previously released. So. Ah, yeah. So well, I'm looking like their their classic album "Close to You" was released in 1970. They have it in Apple Lossless, but not in Dolby Atmos. So yeah, I mean, it doesn't mean it won't come at some point, but it doesn't look like yeah. it's, it's there yet. Honestly, what they should be doing is doing like the, they had a pretty famous Carpenter's Christmas album. That's the one that they should release. Oh yeah, especially in, uh, this time of year. Exactly <laughs> that. Like if they could get it done for the holidays, that's the one I would be going out and doing the the re-engineering uh, on, but uh doesn't look like that's there yet either. So it doesn't look like they've done much of their catalog as far as going back and uh, um, yeah. re-engineering it so far. You know, when you talk about special voices out there, uh, when it comes to Christmas music, I this one comes to absolutely the forefront for me, and that's Bing Crosby. But, of course, he was mm -hmm. alive during a period where they didn't even have stereo, you know? Yeah. But... But when Bing sounded, you know, when you heard that voice, oh, it was yeah. so distinctive and so beautiful, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, Still to this day that, you know, you know his voice immediately. Um, yeah. You know, I, subsequently it's come out that he maybe wasn't the nicest person in the world. But, boy, did he have a beautiful voice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, so uh, Yeah. You know, but then you, you talk about that, and there's a whole bunch of people like that, though, you know? I mean, I mentioned Karen Carpenter. On that front, you know, uh, Barbara Streisand has a beautiful voice that, you know, is very distinct. Anne Murray. Um, oh, you know, Tony my Ten favorite. Tony <laughs> Tennille from Captain and Tennille had kind of a, a, a earthy, you know, deep voice that was just beautiful. Um, yeah, you know, it's just, it's so many talented people out there. Um but you but know. there's not a there's not a lot with that voice that sort of just really reaches out and grabs you, mm -hmm. uh, you know what I mean? They're they're just above the rest. It's 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 also like the guy that, like uh, that sings sort of semi operatic music. Uh, I can't think of his name right. Josh uh, Grogan. Grogan, yeah. Mm -hmm. he, his voice is is right up there too. Michael Bublé. Yeah. You know, if you like yeah. the. The boobies. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of good ones, you know. I mean, I always I remember back in the uh, late 70s, uh, early 80s, Helen Reddy, I also thought, had a beautiful voice. Um, you know, she had a few hits, and pop hits, but, but a lot of her songs mm -hmm. were more like Torch songs. Melissa Manchester had a beautiful voice. I mean, there's just, you know, there's some... some... Oh, they're all good with, with their recording stars, but uh, I'm just yeah. trying to say... Pick the cream of the crop, you know? But you're right, yeah. And you're right. They're, on top of that, there are just some very distinctive voices. They're not always necessarily the best voice. I mean, they, you know, they may not be the, the most pitch perfect, but they have character and style when they, you know. I mean, you think about it, like, you know, how many, how many musicians didn't necessarily have a fantastic voice? I mean, you want to talk fantastic voices, you can, you know, Elvis had a fantastic voice. But he also yeah. had a very distinctive style, a delivery, wow. you know, um, that, yep. that made him sound unique and different, right? Uh, even right. when he was in his later part of his career and he was singing, you know, ballads and stuff, you know, he, he didn't have to sing two notes. And you went, oh, that's an Elvis song. You know, yeah. I didn't know Elvis did that. You know, those are the kind of, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. 
Well, there's the uniqueness of voices that matters too. Uh, you, if you have a voice mm-hmm. that's just nobody like it, you know. Yeah. Frank Sinatra did not have a particularly good voice, but, but boy, did he have Frank. style. You knew it was him yeah. immediately. His phrasing, his style, his his understanding of when to come in on the music and stuff, and and he was different, distinct in that respect. I think, you know, yep. than a lot of those guys, because uh, I think that you know, I mean, it, it, Dean Martin had a better voice. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you know. Well, he had a style too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, you know, in fact, that's that's what kind of made that whole group unique was because you know you could listen to to each of the the, the three singers from the Rat Pack, right? Uh, Sammy right. and and Dean and and Frank, and they could sing the same song and it would sound different from every one of them. And I I don't mean just different because of a different voice, different timing, different rhythm, different feel. <laughs> I mean, it was just yeah. <laughs> you know they had a, each had a unique perspective on on music. You know, being a country guy. There's there's a guy named Hank Snow, Canadian yeah. singer, small, short guy, uh, but he had this wonderful baritone voice, and and his style was also unique. And he had a string of hits mm-hmm. where it was just seemed like nothing he could do was was not beautiful, you know. Yeah. Those Canadians. Yeah. You know the but thing anyway, about you mentioned you mentioned Ann Margaret. I went and visited her home town. And uh, it's a, turned into a museum. Anne Murray. Anne Murray, not Aunt, not Anne Margaret. Anne Murray. Anne Margaret's famous in her own. Margaret? Yeah, you said Anne Margaret, and she was famous oh. in her own, right? No, yeah. no, no. I meant Anne Murray. Yeah. No, I've I've always loved Anne Murray. She yeah. she made it, you know, on the Campbell show. That's yeah, Glenn, Glenn Campbell. Campbell yeah. The, a big audience there. So yeah. Yeah, another guy who who was a unique talent. Interesting, not the greatest voice, but wrote some really beautiful songs. And and he was one of the best guitar players in history. A lot of people didn't realize that he was he was part of the Wrecking Crew. He he worked in the studio as a studio musician playing guitar on lots of other people's albums early in his career because he was who, so good. Who's Glenn, he? Glenn Campbell. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that's true of a number of them. Vince Gill was a, a studio musician until the day that i went to see him on his own show he had just come out with his first hit yeah and he was over in moreno valley and i was just a uh i don't know what you call it just kind of a county fair sort of thing yeah and i went back i went back the next night did you go with me i do not i know it wasn't me i think uh haley went with you and anyway uh, i couldn't get enough of him so i went back the next night for the show again yeah oh it was it was really crowded everybody else did the same (laughs) <laughs> yeah night, yeah word okay, got out right yeah it was an okay crowd but everybody said wow this is great let's go let's go back yeah so no he's he's very talented and he, again very unique uh Speak, speaking of that voice. you know over the years uh i have seen so many my mom too we've seen a lot of musicians that uh, i kind of forget about every once in a while and i'm going to start uh accumulating what musicians yeah. I saw, approximate year, but I definitely remember yeah. the location in most cases. Yeah. Uh, there's there's those that I have seen once, and then there's a few that I've seen several times. Uh, I it, I think it's a close call between Johnny Cash and uh, – uh, <laughs> how can I forget him? Uh, a country singer from California. He came, came down to the Riverside Auditorium. <laughs> 
and I went and saw him there twice. Uh, I don't know. You remember all? Of, oh, the guy from um, up in um, middle of the state. Um, yeah, right, right in the middle of the state. Yeah. Well, there's the one guy who was from up there, the hee-haw guy, right? The um, guitar player. Uh, yeah. And, no, oh, no. And, but no, you're not no, thinking of him. You're you're no. talking about um, not Bakersfield. You're yeah, of... Bakersfield was the um, the guy. No, that's the not the guy. By the way, Vince Gill. You probably didn't know this. Before he went out solo, he was the lead singer for uh, sort of a country rock band similar to the Eagles called Pure Prairie League. So he did that for for like a little while, huh? fifteen years. <laughs> Oh, so, really? Yeah. So he wasn't a nobody when he went out on his own. He'd already been doing that, plus, like you said, a lot of studio work. By the way, I didn't know if you were aware, after uh, uh, Glenn Fry, who was one of the two lead singers for the Eagles, passed away, uh, he joined the Eagles. And so he and Glenn Fry's son, Deacon Fry, who apparently sounds just like him for singing, uh, are now both part of the Eagles. And they tour, they're touring with the Eagles, at least when huh. COVID, COVID's not got them locked down. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, speaking of the Eagles, yeah, he he uh, he runs with that crowd now. Wow, um, super talented guy. Done a lot. They of did des- stuff. they did Desperado, right? Yes, among many other that's, things. That, that that's my favorite. That's yeah, my favorite. that was a uh, Glenn Fry song, Desperado, and yeah. so he's the one that unfortunately passed away a while back. Uh, and uh, so his son and Vince Gill were invited to join the band and now they they can still go out and sing the glenn fry songs because the songs are written yeah. by by um uh you know you know two you know, two I primary had, songwriters in the group but they all do write yeah. some i i had my doubts mm-hmm. about vince for one reason is that country music was known for deep and baritone voices and here he comes along as a tenor and i said hmm is he going to be able to make it as a tenor but actually if you go back and look uh Back in the '40s, even there were several tenors that had had made it, and I just hadn't realized it, you know. Yeah, the one he, that you're not thinking of was Buck Al, uh, Buck Owens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that, you, you were trying to think of uh, what's the other guy's name? Dang, and he's like I can see him. He's a good-looking guy. Uh, yeah, he's, he's got he's he's like a cousin he, of. Um, he's like neon neon lights. And he's he's like a cousin of Jerry Lee Lewis, isn't he? I think he might be. I don't. I don't know. Just a minute. Let's see. Uh, darn. Yeah. Welcome to uh, this week terrible. in music trivia, right? Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, we both love music, obviously, and and uh, so I've seen a lot of people live, and, and and you know some of them are are no longer in the business, even like uh, uh, Travis. Uh, Randy Travis saw him in Florida. Wonderful show. Mm-hmm. Also saw uh, an old version of the uh, uh, Smothers Brothers down there, uh, just before Dickie died. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still had put on a good show for us. In fact, that was the only show. It was an out- in an outdoor theater in Florida, and it rained during the show. When we all stayed s- seated where we were. They, they got a little bit of cover. They didn't perform right during the rain because they were electronic instruments and stuff. But they, it didn't rain too long, and they were back on the stage. And before the show was over, we were all dry. <laughs> and it had been That's kind of funny. a warm day, so that it was just like a little shower to cool us down, you know. 
Merle Haggard is who you were trying to think that's, of, right? That's it. Merle Haggard. You know how I finally figured it out? I remember he sang Poncho and Lefty with Willie Nelson. Yep. And so I had to hunt that down. And the song was written by Towns Van Sant, but they they mentioned uh, that, that it was covered by them. And it's like, okay, that's how I remembered his name. Because I knew he had yeah. sung that. I just for the life of me could not remember that name. Yeah, Merle Haggard. You know, I don't know a bad song that he ever sang. I mean, he he, he could do anything. Yeah. Haggard was great. Yeah. Well, also very talented um, uh, uh, instrumentalist. Well he, had, he, well, he had a great band, too. I mean, yeah. he really, they, they were... They were wonderful, yeah. all of them. Uh, I put him right up there with George Jones in terms of country, mm-hmm. all-time all time country music. He's he's there. And maybe Marty Robbins, you know? Yeah. Except we couldn't remember his name, dang it. That's right. Just couldn't think of his name. And, and I've seen him, I know, at least three times. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But I think I saw Johnny four. First time I saw Johnny Carson was at the Ohio State Fair. John, Johnny Cash, not Johnny Carson. Uh, excuse me, Johnny Cash. <laughs> yep. I don't no. want to hear Johnny Carson sing. That's that's right. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I'll never forget that show, though, because the stage faced west, and it was on towards sunset. And uh-huh. for, for a brief period in time, he had shade coming from the grandstand that, where we were seated, and he was doing just fine. But then it got low enough that it came in from the back of the grandstand and hit him right in the face. And, oh, man, he was almost in agony up there facing that bright light, you know, that yeah. was coming on. It didn't last long, but probably 15, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, you're really like angling to try to find a spot where you can put your face not in the, right directly in the side. <laughs> it's yeah. tough. Tough when you're yeah. standing on stage. Yep. But, uh yeah, anyway, I'm trying to think I've about seen, who I've seen the most, and I've seen, let's see, probably Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I've seen them a couple times. I'm trying to think. I can think of at least two, and I've seen Elton John a couple times. I don't think I've seen anybody more than twice, maybe th- maybe three times, Elton John. Yeah. But it could have been Crosby, Stills, and Nash three times, too. And I've seen, I've never seen the Eagles together, but I've seen parts of the Eagles. <laughs> During the time uh-huh. when they weren't together, I saw... Uh, the both of the primary singers, uh, Don Henley and, and Glenn Fry, separately live, which was they both were good, and they also they did their Eagles songs, you know. But of course, you didn't quite get the harmonies that you got when it was them. Yeah. Um. And uh, oh, the group America, I saw them. Uh, I think twice. Oh, they're good. And they yeah. were good. They were very good. And uh, sorry, I saw them. I saw them at the uh, Del Mar County Fair. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. You pay to get in the fair, and then you sit up, and it's part of the the racetrack there. So you sit in the stands of the racetrack, and they had the stage set up down in the infield. So, in fact, that's where I saw Glenn Fry too. I think I saw him one day, and then came back and saw America the next day because I saw they were coming back. So I said, "I'm coming back too." Yeah. He came driving in in a Porsche 911, a 70s Porsche 911 or an 80s. And uh, and then as he came up and he stopped in front of the stage, he, he brought the car in and kind of slid the back end around as he as he, uh, you know, hit the brakes and, and screeched to a halt and then jumped out of the car and ran up the stage. It was pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you see this car on the backside of the racetrack coming around, you know, and it's like, what the heck is there? Why are they driving a car out there? Yeah. You know, it was a, it was a cool entrance. <laughs> yeah. 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 So. Anyway, Interesting technology are... and all that music, huh? 
we well, we tied it into tech. It's like, hey, are they doing are they doing uh, the 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 reengineering these things in the lossless format? And uh, guess what? They're not reengineering Hank Snow in lossless so far. <laughs> I've checked. No, and uh, so yeah. far there's no uh, that I can see any any lossless albums. I mean, it's, they are lossless rather. They're not the Dolby Atmos. The you know. I think yeah. that you know part of the issue is when you do that, you have to have the licensing to do it, and especially for artists, you know, uh, established artists or, or or artists that have passed away, then you've got to go through whoever is now in control of their library and that kind of stuff, and it just it's difficult, you know. Yeah. And and I'm sure they look at like, well, how many times is this being downloaded and played, and and that puts a priority on it, right? Right. You know, and I'm sure that as, as as talented as he is, the Hank Snow catalog is not getting as much play as it used to. You know? <laughs> no, no, that's for sure. Well, things are generational, you know. Yeah. I, I've gone through too many generations, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. But as we pointed out, you know, you, you've got those people like Adele that it's like that she – seems to cross those generations pretty well because it's just, yeah. you know, when, you, when you're that talented and you've written that many beautiful songs, it just, it, people listen. Yeah, well, I, listen. I, did, I haven't seen her in a show. I mean, I'm probably through doing that. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I You were talking about going to live shows. Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, if you know, I've always been uh, around a big city uh, a mm-hmm. lot of times because – when we were full-time RVing, one of our favorite ways to see the things that cities offer was we'd camp somewhere outside the town, you know, so we didn't have to get uh, in the traffic. And then mm-hmm. well, after, while everybody else has gone to work, we'd sneak in. And sometimes we'd come in late in the afternoon, have dinner, and then go to a show or something. And by the time we're, the show's over, we can get back out to our camper without having to fight the traffic, you know? Right. So. So everything was planned around the, the normal city traffic that you have in rush hour. So, yeah, if you, anybody who lives near a city knows that if you can set up your schedule so that you're coming when everybody else is going, you, you know, that's a positive. Because I don't think yep. there's you know there's not a a major metro area in the country that doesn't think they have the worst traffic in the world, and they're probably right. You know, they all seem yep. to be bad these days. Yep. Yeah, it just comes with city life, you know. Yeah, or near city life even. You know, because oh, what yeah. happens is there's a whole bunch of people who say, I don't want to live in the city. So they sort of live in the surrounding suburbs. And so the traffic in and out at, you know, beginning of the day and the end of the day is just well, always bad. You know, we, we're just outside of the Beltway here in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, we, we uh, if, if you get anywhere near the freeways, you're, you know, asking for it at the wrong time of day, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we still plan around that. Yeah, just looking at the um, the uh, playlist here for Merle Haggard. You know, Working Man Blues, Okie from Muskogee, Poncho and Lefty. You know what was funny? It was that, that Mama Okie tried. from Muskogee. That Okie from Muskogee, Merle didn't like it at all, or the sentiments that it yeah that it brought, and it was one of his biggest hits. So it was. In fact, that one crossed <laughs> over into the pop music realm because it was such a big hit. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I find that's not uh, that's not unusual. You know, if you listen to, and especially at a lot of concerts and stuff, that you know, you, so, the musicians sometimes will chat a little bit in between songs and stuff, and you'll find that their favorite song is very seldom one of the hits. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and and it's very often they're not particularly fond of the hit, but they play it because that's what people want to hear. But it's not usually done by choice. It's done because yeah. Yeah. you know you know the, you got to be music, a showman. The musician that I know more about because he has his own uh, satellite network is Garth Brooks. And he talks between almost everything, every right. uh, thing, uh, or he's had a, uh, those things recorded so that they get played over and over yeah. now if you keep listening. But but uh, I really enjoyed that. He made it very personal as to where the songs came from and and how well mm. they did and, and what he really liked versus right. others. And, yeah. and uh, so I, I thought it was one of the, the best satellite radio uh, music shows you know now now his um, yeah his 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 channel has a lot of other singers on it as well singers that he liked right so I don't enjoy his thing as much now as when he first started it because then it was mostly his music <laughs> right well he famously did that that stay in Vegas where he would talk about a song and say this song was inspired by this other song and he'd play both of them so yeah. he'd He'd play the song that 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 he liked from somebody else that it kind of inspired him to write a song, and then he'd play his song, and uh, that interesting take on it all, right? I mean, I I thought that he managed his career better than anybody else in the in t- entire business show business or yeah. music stars anyway, by yeah. having those gigantic concerts every once in a while, not too often, but they were big shows, and yeah, and his personality came through, and and he always had. Great music and yeah. I, I just well, he went out of his it. way, or I shouldn't say went out of his way. He also, you know, hit it really, really big, probably bigger than just about any country star ever had, because he was, you know, hitting it. And he hit it at a time when they started uh, counting record sales a little differently, because it used to be that you know the they only counted record sales at, at record stores. And right about the time he hit, they started counting record sales from places like Walmart and. And and it turns out people who buy country music buy their music at Walmart, not not in, in Tower Records. And right. uh, and suddenly he was the you know number one seller in the country, and made a ton of money. And then went okay, I don't want this lifestyle for the rest of my life. So he then became a limited quantity, right? So then it became an event when he did go do something because right. he's like, I'm not going to tour, you know, 260 days a year, uh, and and he says that's no way to live a life. You know, that's and, right. And yeah. so he just said, that's not what I'm going to do. Um, and I think he was one of, you know, I mean, obviously the the idea of, of having a big stay in Vegas has been around literally since, you know, before Elvis. I mean, the, the Rat Pack was doing that. Um, right. You know, but he he chose to go do one of those where, you know, it's like, OK, I'll be here. You guys, it's a destination place. You can come visit and catch a couple shows. He did that for a while. Um you know, I mean, he's he's definitely kind of not let himself be at the whim of of managers and people saying go go do this, go do that. He's 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 picked what he wanted to do, but I think the smartest thing was just the the it's a limited thing. You know, it's like this is what I do, and 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 then then when I come back and do something, it's going to be special as opposed to just oh yeah, he's coming back in town again. You know. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he he. He probably had one of the least hard, well, his career didn't require near the hard work as it used to in the old days of guys getting on buses and, mm-hmm. and going from night, you know, getting to travel and, and entertain all night and then travel some more. 
I mean, it used to be really tough, the old the old timers. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure early on, before he had his first hit, you know, he got to do some of that too. And I mean, he, you know, he'd probably argue that he, you know, he suffered and did, you know, but it, uh, but certainly, you know, like you said, a lot of those older timer guys, that's that was the whole career, you know. Yep. And he very specifically said that's not the career career he wanted, right? No, no, nobody would really desire that, but yeah, but well, some but, do. I think some really love that, you know. Yeah. And I know there there have been some that have even found a way to. It's like okay, my, I'm going to take my family with me on the road, you know. And so they're touring around in the big, you know, t- uh, right. RVs, you know, uh, tour buses, and and it, you know it's set up as a home, and and the kids do homeschooling and online schooling, and and you know, and you just we're a traveling family, you know. That's but that wasn't the choice he made. Yeah, at least that helps you preserve your family. Yeah, you know when you when you go out on the road and leave your family sitting behind for months at a time, you know that yeah. that doesn't work. Yeah, no, I just recently finished reading a book by uh, Dave Grohl. We were talking about him a bit ago, the lead singer of the Foo Fighters, and he talked about that. He says, you know, at at some point we were getting ready to start a family, or is you know, and he was like, uh, hey, what's going to happen to my career here? Because I'm not willing to just you know leave my wife behind for 150 yeah. days a year. You know, with a new baby, I says that's not going to work yeah. for me. And he said, ironically, he uh, ran into he was Neil Young, uh, and they were on concert and they crossed paths. And and Neil Young had a whole setup in a bus, and family came with him. And he's like, he goes, oh, that can work. And yeah. so so he, that's what he did, because he was yeah. lit- he was ri- literally looking at okay, we're now going to be a limited act because I'm not going to tour that much, or you know, or. Or I'm going to basically put my family on a back burner, and I'm not willing to do that. So, you know. Yep. So now apparently the the Foo Fighters tour, and each guy in the band has a big bus, and they're each of them brings their whole family along. <laughs> you know, so it's quite the entourage. Yeah. You know, just recently they, they there there's been a lot of Lucille Ball on TV because they're bringing back. Uh, 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 or they're making a Lucille Ball movie, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess I maybe I'd just forgotten it, but I didn't remember that uh, she and Desi split after all of the the show was over. You know. Yeah. Yeah. But life is tough for a lot of people, that, even when they work together. You know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes because they work together. Yeah, maybe that was the problem with with them. It's like, you know. Love you, dear, but I don't want to spend twenty four seven with you. <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everybody needs downtime and space away, you know. But um, yeah, you know, it's um, and that's tough life. Yeah. You know, tough life. Well. Uh, but you know, we to take it back to technology, it's gotten easier because of things like those big RVs. I mean, you you spent a chunk of years living in one. It's you know, you can live in an RV and. And uh, see beautiful places, and and move around the world, and still have all the conveniences of home with you on wheels. I'll tell um, you, it was the best the best eleven years of my life. Well, mm-hmm. and 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 basically, it was a, a lot, very much driven by the fact that we had uh, you and Tobin on the west coast, and two daughters on the east coast. You know, yeah, you know, it's crazy not, girls not moving away to the to the wrong coast, man. So so we so we had a coast to coast deal to go see our grandkids. Yeah, so you traveled back and forth in between quite a bit, you yeah. know, and got to have 
time and relationships with with your with your kids and your grandkids, which was cool. Yeah, when we intentionally set it up so it was downtime when the kids were were away from school for a while, like the Christmas holidays. So we'd we'd arrive around Thanksgiving just before Thanksgiving time and leave right after New Year's. So we had you know at least a month uh, to spend with family and. Uh, had some good quality time, and then we just kind of started our migration again. It wasn't a, like most people think of RVing, uh, because when you when you don't have a urgent need to be anywhere at any particular time, you you don't don't move very fast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We would we would stay typically uh, no less than two weeks, and but often a month at a time, and th- therefore life was much less expensive as well because you got the better rates for staying a long time. And so, uh, anyway, it was a wonderful life. And uh, we sold our RV this, this year, so it's all over now, but that's because I couldn't use it anyway with my handicap. So Yeah. But Yeah, no, and it turned out to be a good rig for you. You know, I mean, we talk about, you know, you had your house with you, though, but some of the things, I mean, obviously space was something you had to deal with. You had limited space. I mean, because this is like a very small apartment. It's like like they talk about this tiny house uh, living. You know, RVing is the original tiny house living because, I mean, you know, you every, everything is a compact version of it. But, like, right. there was a lot of, lot of technologies that helped make that um, – uh, easier for you. Can you talk about some of the things that that uh, that were different? Like now that you're back in, you know, you've been for quite a while in a in a house attached to the dirt as opposed to a house attached to wheels. You know, what yeah, were the well, things that <laughs> when you moved back into a real house? What was the thing that was like, oh, thank goodness? Well, the, <laughs> yeah. the first, first of all, you know, when you say tiny house, actually, it turned out that uh, we were in nice places where the weather was nice, so we followed the weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if the weather wasn't suitable, then we tended to travel more, but you could go north or south or, mm-hmm. or to mountains or to the coast or whatever. Yeah. But most of the time we had wonderful weather. Therefore, we spent a lot of time outside. So we during the day, we, we, we weren't sitting in the RV. We were sitting outside, and we had the ability to watch TV from out there as well. So, you know, we not that we did, did it that much, but we were uh, often around the campfire at night with – friends and neighbors some that were either either traveling with us or we uh, invite people over when we were in certain areas, whatever. Uh, so it, it wasn't like that small space got to you at all. Uh, it was just two of us, uh, and uh, we had uh, a 40-foot motorhome. So, uh, yeah, it was small, but it had a lot of storage, too. Yeah, uh, yeah. What you so guys we, referred to as the basement was down underneath, so you had a lot of places to put stuff that you couldn't yeah. like go pull out of a cabinet. But if you you could go outside and open up one of the little like um, like anybody who's seen like a uh, the Greyhound type buses, the stuff goes underneath and the people sit up on top. Right there's a yeah that space kind of between the wheels. Yeah, and most of one side of the RV was slide outs, two slide outs, so that uh, right that expanded the space when you stopped. So. I never felt it was small. I really yeah. didn't. Yeah. Because well, when, I mean, but it's we... small compared to a house on the ground is all I was saying. It's certainly not. Oh, yeah. I mean, as far as those kind of things goes, you you would kind of push the limits of about how big you're going to get. Right. You know. Yep. Uh, you know. But the first year we went out, we, we went out with uh, a 26-foot Airstream. So mm-hmm. now, uh, you know, that, that really was small. So after right. that, it was getting bigger. You know, we went from there to a fifth wheel and then finally right. to the motorhome. 
Yeah. And so uh, anyway, the, the fact that we got to do that for 11 years, and during that period of time, we first focused on visiting elderly families that might not be around too long, and that was really good. Saw some aunts and uncles before they mm-hmm. uh, left this world, and, and, uh, and so we focused on family and got to know some of them better than we ever might have uh, if we hadn't been RVing. Right. Uh, so, and and then after that, we uh, just sort of followed our interests. Uh, sure. Your, your mom being a former art teacher liked art museums, so we did that, and I liked uh, art. Uh, liked art as well, but also Civil War history uh, was right. kind of a. Well, what, my my lead into this was talk about the technology that made living on the road different or capable. Not, <laughs> I understand all oh. that other stuff, but I was just curious about like like you had a system where you could run uh, your refrigerator off of uh, electricity or gas, right? So you could be you could be connected or unconnected. All the most of the places you had had electrical hookups, right? Well, it, it, two times of electricity. We, mm-hmm. we normally, if we went into a campground, we'd plug into AC. Uh, but the electricity for the that could keep the refrigerator running on the road was DC, mm-hmm. and so it would run off of that as well, or gas if you wanted to turn that on. But I didn't want to have gas on during when we were on the road for safety reasons, because if you're in an accident and the gas line gets cut, then you right. burn the thing up. So generally, just the DC kept the refrigerator cold. Right. Uh, yeah. Now but, you did have to live with a smaller refrigerator too. We talk refrigerator, and the, the refrigerator you guys had was uh, slightly larger than t- what would typically, like somebody would call, like a dorm refrigerator. It wasn't huge. No, no. Uh, we did have a problem with that though when we went to the year we went to Alaska. Unfortunately, something uh, up one of the pipes in the back of their fridge was slightly rubbing against something and it got a leak and sprung a leak and uh, there was no place to repair it because we were on the move and so we called ahead and got an appointment in Oregon I think it was because I have relatives there and while the RV was in to have a new refrigerator installed uh, we were visiting one of my cousins so uh, and in fact we we had to move out of it, and we moved into a motel room for a couple nights uh, mm-hmm. while they installed it. But uh, anyway, uh, you, you learn to work around those. But uh, there was so much flexibility as to how you powered things and uh, mm-hmm. the fact that I didn't really depend on uh, electricity. Even in the campground, when one time uh, I noticed all these people running around, said, what are you doing? It says, well, we lost power. I didn't even notice it. My my system switched over to batteries first of all. Yeah. Uh, I, we were watching TV at the time with an antenna through the roof. It didn't even disrupt uh-huh. the uh, TV program. <laughs> Just switched switched over automatically. It was all well, automatic. And honestly, too, you know, I mean, the advent of the liquid crystal displays for television sets and stuff made that whole thing much easier too, because you could have a yeah. a decent sized TV that uh, that you know wasn't relying on a on a you know very kind of uh, sensitive tube that would, uh, uh, you know, go jingling down the, the highway. So uh, a lot more, by, uh, by, by the way, the other thing that really came out at about the right time is when we first went out with our, uh, uh, Airstream, uh, we go to libraries to use the internet for email and stuff. And, uh, I would go to the library while 
your mom would uh, do the laundry. It was kind of the way it worked. And so I could communicate with everybody. But it wasn't very long after that, and, and we had cell phones that had the uh, Internet Wi-Fi on them. So that we were, from there on, always connected to the Internet uh, just by our phones. And uh, so that was convenient because prior to that, you you know, you might have a, a regular cell phone, but you didn't have Internet, you know. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, talk about that uh, expanding technology, right? Because you were suddenly once you had had uh, decent um, cell connectivity, um, uh, you were never really disconnected. I mean, you could be just. I remember getting a call from you from Lambeau Field one day. And guess where I am? I'm at the 50 yeah, yard line, Lambeau Field. <laughs> yeah, I remember that standing right out in the middle there. Yeah. And the thing, the thing about that stop was they had a wonderful museum there. You want to spend at least two, three hours in the museum. Yeah, uh, a lot more than I expected, you know. On my to-do and, uh, list, on my to-do list, as an owner, that's that's yeah, right. The, I I'm an owner of the Green Bay Packers now. I have one I, share. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> they have a, well, a uh, they have a special uh, owner's store where you can buy things that you know Green Bay Packers swag that says owner on it, and they're yeah. sold out of everything. They have women's shirts and women's hats. And they have some sign, a few, a few signs, and uh, and and they had like a sweatshirt in a size four X. And I went, yeah. yeah. By, by, by the way, what's the share of the Green Bay Packers worth these days? Oh, uh, probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even worth the money you paid for it. They're selling. I think you can still get them. I think they're selling. They're selling them for three hundred dollars. And I'll say, say a stock. It's just a piece of paper. Right? Pre- pretty much, that's what it is. It's it, but it's an opportunity to to you know, it's the kind, and they only do it once every you know. I mean, they've done it what uh, in a hundred and one years they've sold stock. I think this was the sixth time. Sixth time. By, by, by the way, there's there's a, a method to their madness on that thing, and the whole idea was a small town like Green Bay just knew that somebody rich was going to buy their team and move it. And they didn't want that. They right. wanted their team to stay put. And therefore, the way to do that is if they owned the things, they wouldn't sell their stock. Right. And uh, the locals, yeah. you know. And well, so and it, it's basically written right into the into their uh, incorporation documents now that they you can't sell the stock. You can yeah. you can you can pass it down to your descendants, but yeah. uh, or you can give it to um, direct family. Parents, uh-huh. children, uh, or brothers or sisters, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but you're right. That's that that guaranteed that their their team would stay in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Which yeah, and 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 they're exactly right because that's what's happened is a lot of the teams that are in smaller markets, the owner goes, I can make more money, and so they picked up and moved the football team. Yep. You know. Yep. And so uh, that's that was the perfect solution to that. They're the, the still the smallest town in the NFL by a lot, I think. Oh yeah, they are, and they're the only professional football team, or uh, only professional uh, team in the United States that's owned uh, by the city. You know, as opposed to by an individual or by a group of investors. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I say they picked up. You know, because they they moved out of a small city because they could make more money. Los Angeles was without an NFL team for quite a while. You know, because that was when the Chargers were still in San Diego. Who, by the yeah. way, left San Diego because they wanted more money. Uh, yep. The late the the um, the Rams had moved to St. Louis, and the Raiders were here for a while, but then they were back in Oakland, and they were you know one, second largest city in the country, and and we had no NFL franchise, and you know now we got two. Yeah. 
So. You know, a lot of people would say, well, if you're if you're owned by a bunch of people with no money, how are you ever going to get the stars to come there to play? But Green Bay has done really well in that regard. Yeah. Well, part of that's the way the NFL structured. That wouldn't work for something like the NBA, where players uh, and baseball, where there is no um, uh, uh, cap on the salaries you can give, because the, you know the big money can yeah. hire wherever they want. And in the NBA, the players have a lot of control over where they end up. In the NFL, you get drafted. And your rookie contract usually takes you through at least three or four years. And then they have that whole thing where if they don't want you to go, they can uh, franchise tag you and you still can't leave. And so they can lock you in for about seven years. Uh, mm. you know. And let's face it, the, the length of a career in the, in the NFL, you know, other than uh, a few quarterbacks, um, you know, those guys don't last that long, unfortunately. It's just, it takes a physical toll. You know, they yep. have relatively short careers. You know, you look at and say, oh, they're, they're paid tons and tons of money. Well, the guys that aren't stars don't get paid as much. And when you take that and amortize it out over the course of their life, it's probably not all that much, comparatively speaking, because they only, ended, you know, they're physically only able to play a few years. And a lot of them beat themselves up so bad they end up with a lot of health issues uh, for right. the rest of those remaining years when they're not playing. Yep. So it's uh, all I'm saying is, is that. Uh, that they're, they're justified in the money that they're paid for the for, for the way they beat themselves up for our entertainment. Uh, yep. I don't know if you saw this weekend. I didn't see what happened, and I have not seen an update yet. There was a, uh, a guy in Seattle where they actually had to bring an ambulance out onto the field and took him in, and I don't know what uh, what the status yeah, I, was. I saw that. I don't, I don't know either. I was curious. Uh, yeah, I'm curious as to what happened to him, too. I hope he's okay. Um, you know, I see things like that and it, and it, and it makes me feel bad for being a football fan. I, you know, I, I really, I've, I've considered not watching pro football anymore, or even college, because these guys are so big and so fast that people are really badly getting hurt. And I, I, uh, yeah. well, you know, that's I, I have why guilt. Boxing, that's, that's why boxing lost its, uh, pizzazz. When I was a kid, a heavyweight boxing match come on and man, everybody was in front of, it wasn't a tube uh, yeah. thing, but the radio, you know, Howard Cosell sitting ringside and calling the, the, the yeah. fight and, and, uh, but it was a big deal. Fighting was a big deal in boxing, but that was brutal. Absolute yeah. brutality. Well, you say that. And yet what has been rising in popularity is that, uh, that ultimate fighting stuff where they're, where they're, that's much more brutal yeah. than boxing where you can kick and, you know, I mean, anything this side of a bite, I think you can. Yeah, but they're never going to be on television, and probably not make it without, you know. Oh, they're on television. They're they're making it. They're huge on television. They signed a multi-million-dollar contract with ESPN. Hmm. It's uh, it, it, I'm telling you, you may be not, are not into it. There are people who who almost every weekend spend pay-per-view and spend fifty, sixty bucks to be able to watch the fights. What happens is the the lower undercard fights are on ESPN, and then you get to the big names. You have to pay to see those, and and they're making money hand over fist. It is more popular than boxing today, really? and it's and it's much more brutal. I'm a boxing fan. I don't watch the the Ultimate Fighting. Yeah, I wouldn't either. Yeah, I just you know. Yeah. That said, I I I, I did uh, I I have I mean I'm not blind. I've seen bits and pieces of some of it, and I've seen quite a few of them end up in sort of these weird grappling things where they're on the ground, just kind of like grunting and you know. I yeah. mean, it's you know, or one guy sitting up on top of the other one, just hammering them until they stop the fight. 
Uh-huh. So. Yeah, well, anyway, Todd, I think it's time yeah. to call it a day here. We've covered pretty much everything. Uh, so. Uh, Seahawks safety Jamal Adams suffers shoulder injury, keeping him out second half of uh, the season. Keeping him out second half. Of, well, no, wait a minute. Is that the guy that was hurt? I was just trying oh. to see if I had it, if that's the guy that got. Seahawks. No, I don't think he's the one that – no, because they're saying this guy changed out of his uniform into street clothes and watched from the side, and this is not the guy that they took to the hospital. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'll, I'm, I'm curious. I'll find that. But, yeah, that that doesn't matter for the podcast, right, as to what you – know, by the time you're listening to this, if you listen to this all the way through where we've talked about almost no tech whatsoever, um, <laughs> <laughs> we tried. We tried. So anyway, thanks for joining us on Generation Tech. Remember, we have two-minute tech, which is two-minute tips on how to use your technology better, and two for brew, which is two guys doing the hard work of tasting beers in the Inland Empire at different uh, brew pubs and letting you know how it goes uh, so you don't have to. Actually, we encourage you to go give it a try, too. But remember, that is for adults only. Anyhow, um, check out those other podcasts we're going to shortly start up new moo review the first episode should drop today uh so if you're listening to this on monday the the sixth as we record then uh, you could also check out new moo review you can find them all at the shackoutback.studio not the just shackoutback.studio that's where you find us so have a great day dan i'll uh, talk to you later you too todd it's been fun Bye, Bye -bye. everybody.